Tara and Kristen for running things upstairs as well. Man, great songs this morning. Got Psalm 67 going there at the end. Hey, church, uh, man, if you've not ever been a part of a chorus of people from every nation, tribe, people, and language singing praise to God, what we just experienced, man, we're going to see that one day. And isn't that an awesome thing to think about? about people from every nation, tribe, people, and language worshiping just like we were doing this morning, man. That's what missions is all about. And I'm so grateful to be here with you guys today at our home church. We've invested, man, 20 years plus at this church, and we are so grateful to be back with you for this time and to be able to just speak today about what's on our heart and what you guys have been, been sending us out to do. And so today, uh, let, me, let me show you a few pictures of my family if you don't know us. Uh, this, is, this is my awesome family and we, uh, just over 10 years ago, uh, were sent out from Fletcher to go to South Asia and to preach the gospel. And uh, we are so excited to get to do that. And to be back here with you guys for this season is such a joy. Uh, where we work and where we live is primarily Muslim. Almost every person that we get in, come in contact with is Muslim. And so there's a picture here of some of the sights and sounds or sights from our city. Some of you have been there and you know there's just a few folks in the city we live in, in the country that we serve in. Here's a picture of just a nice little uh, lazy train ride across the countryside. Uh, and then a picture of some uh, men out in the street near our house on a, on a Friday uh, worshiping. So where we live is people that are almost all lost and they need the gospel and they've never heard the gospel and they don't know who Jesus is and they don't know the hope that is found in him. And so we make it our ambition, like Paul said in Romans 15, to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named. And so as we do that, we're going to talk this morning about what it is we actually do and how can we get to this place that Paul talked about in Romans 15 of this idea of no place left. We use this, this moniker to indicate uh, no place left being a place where the gospel has gone and where there's churches and there's wonderful folks like you who are reaching that area. But yet across the world, there are places where there are no churches. There are places where we live where you can look uh, across an entire city and there's not any believers. And yet Paul gave us this wonderful picture of getting to the place where we have no place left for the gospel to go. And so that's our hope, that's our ambition, is to get to a place where there is no place left. So what I want to talk to you about this morning and what's on our heart and what we're going to see in the Word of God is how do we reach no place left? How do we get to a place where all across the world we can say we have no place left to preach the gospel? Now, I'm here to tell you we're not there yet. And that's what we're going to talk about today too because we have a lot of places still to go. But as we, as we dig in the Word together today, I want you to understand that God has given us a blueprint for this. He has given us in His Word some practical ways that we can pursue no place left, that we can get the gospel to people who've never heard it before. And so as we talk about this, I hope that you'll journey with us, that you'll hear our heart for, for how it is we partner together with churches like you, with our home church, like Fletcher, and how you this morning might even be challenged to be a part of this great pursuit of no place left. So with that, let me take us before the throne of God and let's just pray together. So Father, I'm so grateful this morning, uh, Lord, that we have the opportunity to be back among our beloved Antioch Church of God today and this family we love so dearly to just proclaim your excellencies, to proclaim the light of hope and truth that is come to the world. And Lord, at this season, we want to thank you for all you've done in sending your son as our rescuer, sending our son, though we were dead, to save us and be made alive together with him. 
Lord, we invite you, Holy Spirit, please come today. Fill our hearts with your love and your grace. Lord, we want to learn new and fresh things from you today. So I pray in your word and the proclamation of it, we would draw closer to you and understand who you are and your character and the depth of your love for us more today. And Father, may that love for you help us to understand the love that you have for the nations, Father. And as we endeavor to see every place reached and Lord, endeavor to see no place left, we know that you have a plan for that. We trust in it. And yet we ask that your spirit would come and invade our hearts with a new and fresh passion for the lost, for the people around us, for the people across the world. Lord, those who aren't praising you this morning, Father. So Lord, we ask, come, be with us this morning. It's your name I pray, amen. So what I wanna walk through is uh, just a pattern of what we see in the New Testament. So how do we get to no place left? I mean, you gotta admit, this is our goal, right? I mean, what we just did, singing and worshiping around the throne, like I said in Revelation 7, 9, the vision of doing that with Every nation, tribe, people, and language, that's our goal, right? We want to see, like he said in Habakkuk 2.14, for the glory of the knowledge of the Lord to cover the earth like the water covers the sea. Well, if that's our goal, then how can we participate? How can we get there? And so what I want to walk you through is the blueprint in Scripture, because that's our guide. How can we get there? And uh, so there's, there's like 3,000 people groups in the world that still we know of that do not have the gospel. All right, there's 3,000 plus people groups. Now, a people group, just a quick lesson, is something we would define as a unique group of people with somewhat of a unique either language, religion, or culture that makes them different from the people living around them, all right? And so across the world, as we look and we do research, and that's one of the prayer topics in your prayer guide from the IMB is how do we identify these people groups by their language or religion or culture, and how do we get the gospel to them? There are still over 3,000 people groups in the world where we would understand do not have the gospel at all. There are no churches. Some of these groups in the area we serve number in the hundreds of thousands. So I want you to imagine the city of Savannah not having a single believer. Not a single believer in Savannah. Imagine walking around Savannah on River Street around, I don't know, St. Patrick's Day and the thousands of people walking around and there's not a single person who knows Jesus. That's the task ahead of us. In fact, where we live, the percentage of Christians, even where we live, would be as if all of Bullock County, around 70,000 people, only had 70 believers. So imagine like this side of the room is all the believers in all of Bullock County. That's the unreached places we're talking about. This is it. All of Bullock County, this is it. You guys are the only believers. Less than one person in this whole room where we live would be believers. So how do we get to no place left? Now, here's, here's the cool thing. I'm not going to hide it from you. How do we get to no place left? Here's the blueprint in Scripture. Here's the crux of what we're going to talk about today, the church. This is how we get to no place left. Not some, some amazing missions organization, not some NGO or nonprofit. God has always ordained the church to be the ones that bring the gospel to the lost world, the church. So Fletcher, guess what? You are the way God's going to get the gospel to the unreached. No other mechanism, no other entity from the beginning of time, God always had it in mind for the church to get the gospel to the people. How do I know this? Because we just read it in Acts 1.8. Jesus said, hey, I'm out, but power's going to come and you're going to be my witnesses. Right? He left it to us, the church, to be his witnesses. So what I want to do is give you a brief 
overview of how the church came to be and how they're now going to be involved in reaching to no place left. All right, so the most basic and, I mean, just basic outline of the book of Acts, chapters 1 through 12, I'm going to give you real quick. All right, now, if you've never read the book of Acts, the book of Acts is all about Jesus leaves and he leaves it to his followers to get the gospel to where he tells us in Acts 1-8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So the book of Acts is essentially a, a playbook of how the early church got the gospel to the ends of the earth. And here's the cool thing. We have the book of Acts to thank for why we have the gospel today, why we meet together today. Because the things that they did and the things that these teams of missionaries did in the book of Acts is why you're saved, why you're sitting here in Fletcher today. So, real quick, I want to give you an overview of the book of Acts. So, uh, in Acts chapter 1, we read it. Jesus gives the, this commission of getting the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of, earth, in, ends of the earth. So in the first 12 to 13 chapters of the book of Acts, that's the progression of the gospel we're going to see happen, right? You'll remember in the first few chapters, so we could go to the next slide. Thank you so much, Kristen. Uh, oh, did I not put the slide of the uh, outline in there? Okay, go back one, and I'll just tell it from here. So Acts 1 through about... Seven is the gospel spreading among Jerusalem. And we see the early church. And from Acts chapter 1 when they're gathered, Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit falls and we see the church begin to meet. We see this church growing and we see it growing in Jerusalem. But then you'll remember that we see this great persecution break out when Stephen is martyred and the church gets scattered. And so the church is scattered across all Judea, which is like Bullock County. Like they go from Statesboro to like Bullock County. So they're spread out and we see the gospel moving through the church who's scattered because of persecution. And they're scattered even further into some crazy places like Samaria, right, which is a little bit farther, but also a people that some of the Jews don't really like, but the gospel goes there because the people realize, hey, how are people going to hear about Jesus unless we go? So as they're scattered, they go. And so then and we get this amazing story of Paul coming to faith, right? And so we see some Crazy miracles happen, healings happen, persecutions happening, and all this is happening. The church is spreading from Jerusalem to Judea, and then in chapters like 8, 9, and 10, we see Paul getting converted. We see the gospel going to Samaria, all right, so the third place. So we see Jerusalem, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and about 5. Then we see it go to the rest of Judea when the persecution breaks out. Then in chapter 10, we see the gospel go to the nations because Peter, who at that time thought, man, this is awesome news for the Jews, he has this crazy dream, you remember? And the, the sheet comes down and he sees this vision of these animals and God's like, don't call these animals unclean that I call clean. And Peter understands that means go to the nations. So Peter's like, wait a minute. This gospel isn't just for the Jewish people. This is for everyone. And so in Acts 10, he gets it and he preaches to Cornelius. And then in Acts 11, we see the church in Antioch. They, they start preaching to Greeks, to Gentiles. And this church in Antioch forms in chapter 11. All right, you with me? Man, you got to read Acts. It's so incredible to see the church. And then we get to chapter 12 and Peter does some more crazy stuff, right? We see him get released from prison and they don't believe it's him. It's, it's awesome. you got to read it, man. The church starts growing. They start from this humble meeting in an upper room, waiting for the Lord to come. And when he does, boy, does he come. And we see the church begin to gather, and they act like the church. And we even today teach Acts chapter 2, the church acting like the church from the very beginning and how we would model Fletcher even after that church. 
And then we get to the text this morning of Acts 13. So what's happened is the church is gathering in a place called Antioch in modern-day Syria. And they're gathering together, and this is like the picture-perfect church because there's people gathered from like every nation and all these people that were scattered from Jerusalem and different places. They're gathering together, and they're worshiping the Lord. All right? And this is Antioch in chapter, Acts chapter 11 is where they were first called Christians. So this is like the church that kind of maybe you could say like started it all. This is where they were first called Christians, right? So this crazy thing happens. Paul's like, nobody's really believing he's a, he's a believer. We face that today. I just, just, man, let me tell you. I just got a text this morning from a guy who wants to access some resources we have. And we got to make sure he's who he says he is because we don't know if he's for real. And he's really a Muslim background believer or he's pretending. And like, it still happens today. So they go and get Paul, bring him back to Antioch, and they're, they're worshiping, all right? And we're going to pick up. So if you have your Bibles... Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Now, fine to get your phones out, Pastor. <laughs> so one time, right? Get your phones out. There's pew Bibles. Acts chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 in just a second. Now, remember, the context of this is, this is like the church where they were first called Christians. So they're gathering, and Paul's been there for over a year, Them and Bar- him and Barnabas and all these believers worshiping and growing in their faith and understanding new truths about the Lord. And so we're going to pick up the story right here, and we're going to look at, now, here's the cool thing. We're going to look at how Fletcher this morning is a part of Scripture. Hey, you know the Word of God is living and active, right? Sharper than a two-edged sword, living and active. This isn't a document that was written 2,000 years ago and is dead, and we just kind of read it like a story and a fable. This is active today, and it's moving in our lives. And how do I know it's moving? Because, Fletcher, this is you right here. So look at this text in just a second, and I want you to say, hey, this is like, this is like I'm part of this story. Fletcher Baptist Church, that today, in December of 2023, you are in this story. You are right here in this story. How cool is that? Now check this out. This is what he says. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. That's Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now church, like I said, this is the activities of the early church. Like we're reading, what was the church doing? If you want to know what is the church doing and what's the ideal for the church to be doing, we see it here in the book of Acts and we can model our church. And again, we do this every day. We model our church after the activities that the early believers were doing. And so what do we see happening here? Well, we see diverse backgrounds here. We see people from, from at least two, maybe three continents here. I don't know if anyone was from Europe. Certainly Africa and Asia represented in this body of believers. Diverse backgrounds. And what are they doing? They're in a rhythm of worship and praise and fasting. That's what we do at Fletcher. We worship and we praise the Lord. And I hope you have a fasting rhythm built into your life as well. They're listening. You see this? They're listening to the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you leading us to do? Holy Spirit, speak to us. And what does the Holy Spirit say? So they're worshiping. We got these folks. And he said, they said, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What is the work? What is the work that he's called them to do? Well, we're going to find out in a minute. But essentially, the church understood it to be 
They're supposed to be going. We are going to send them out. They're going to go somewhere. And so what happens? Then after, in verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the first way we reach no place left through the church is through sending. All right, so that's the first, uh, maybe second filling on your, on your blank there. The church sending to unreached places. How do we get to no place left? By sending. Now how do I know that? Because Fletcher, this is you. Because 10 years ago, my wife and I stood right here at this altar and you prayed for us and you laid your hands on us and we got on a plane and we flew 8,500 miles away to a place where this represents the number of believers in all of Bullock County. So this is you. This is what you've done, Fletcher. And this is how we reached no place left, through sending. And God's sending people in, out of churches like Fletcher to unreached places. This is how we get to no place left. So look at, look at what happens. They, they pray for them for the work that which they called them. After fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they send them off. Now, here's the cool thing about this story. We know there were at least five guys right here that are listed. How many were sent out? Two. Right? So you got that? You got five names, right? We got Simeon. We got, uh, who is it? Manan, Timothy. It's Paul and Barnabas. Did I get that right? I always forget the first name there. All right, so we got Barnabas. Yeah, Simeon, Manan, Saul, and who did I miss? Lucius. Okay, so there's five guys. Two were sent. Hey, guess what? What do you think those three guys were doing that didn't get sent? They were there in Antioch, preaching the gospel, building up the church, being a part of the church, being what the church is. So here's the cool thing. You're sitting here thinking, man, I'm laboring in Statesboro. I'm laboring in Bullock County. I'm laboring on campus. I'm laboring with the athletes like Matt and Colleen. I'm laboring in the high school and the young people like Trey. Good, because that's what they were doing. So the cool thing about this story is everybody sent, just two were sent, 8,000 miles away, there were others that were sent right there to build up the local body. Deacons, elders that were building up the body. Men like Jim, who we just ordained last week to serve this body and serve this community. So don't you think that you don't have a responsibility right here at Fletcher to serve and to love and to build the body of Christ just like the church at Antioch was doing. But he did send Paul and Barnabas. So the church rallied around these two blessed saints that were sent out to the ends of the earth. And the church rallied around them. The church prayed for them. They laid their hands on them, and they sent them out. And Fletcher, that's what you've done for us. Now let me take a moment to just say how thankful we are for your support and the way that you have for years labored alongside of us, sent teams to us, walking the streets, drinking out of a coconut with our pastor, these are ways you're sending us, and you're not just sending your, your best people to come and encourage us. You're sending your gifts that get us Bibles, over a million and a half Bibles distributed out across South Asia last year. You're sending in this way. Hey, I woke up with a text this morning. I don't know if you guys know this. You know, we sent two people out just last week from this church, from Wesley and Morgan, were sent to visit some of our laborers laboring in Pacific Rim. 
And so they're on this trip, this whirlwind tour, to visit your people from Fletcher that you've sent out in the Pacific Rim. And they're going to be spending time encouraging them. And we've sent them. And they're going. And guess what? I woke up with a message today. Check this out. Wesley and Morgan are in one country at a church this morning. And there's a baptism of a man who's from our country and our people group. And they got to see him baptized in that place. How cool is that? Our people that we're trying to reach, living in another country, Wesley Morgan, who you sent, saw him baptized this morning. Isn't that cool? Man, that gets me excited. So you guys are sending. Now, we're so thankful for you sending us, but we're not done. So let me show you this picture. So you know what the church is doing overseas? The same thing. This is a picture of Neil and his family And this is a family who's been sent out from their local church where we live in our place. And now they're going to start new work in new unreached places. And if you just read about our, read our newsletter earlier this week, you read that this, this is Neil, who I said is working with a lawyer who gave up his house to start a new house church. And they just started meeting for the first time. A bunch of former Muslims now getting together to meet to worship the risen Lord Jesus together because this, their church there in our place has sent them out to a new place to start the work. It gets confusing, doesn't it? Because God's doing all this cool stuff. It's hard to keep up sometimes. So church, church sending is the way to reach no place left now. If you look at the rest, so Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, they leave and they go on what we call the first missionary journey. All right, and they go, and in Acts chapter 13 and 14, hey, read it tonight, all right, go home and forget final studying for just a minute, just like five minutes, okay? You guys, for your family devotion tonight, read Acts 13 and 14. It's the first missionary journey. It's incredible what happens, man. Paul preaches like one of the best sermons in all scripture at Antioch Pisidia. It's amazing. So they go on this journey, they go to all these unreached places, and they start this pattern of ministry that we actually utilize today. And if we look at the Word of God, we see an example, a description of how ministry was being done back then that we actually implement today. So what I want to share with you next is the blueprint that we see. And might I be so bold as to say you might intend to implement in your own life as to how to reach the people in your circles. Or perhaps you're going to see this in the next few months as it's going to be modeled by this own own church here, which is a church on mission, which is using the New Testament to tell us how we should do missions. But here is the blueprint we see. So when they're going out and they're modeling for us what to do, we can take some examples from that. And what I want to present now is just a picture of how we see God using his word to inform us as to how to reach no place left. And some of the patterns in the New Testament, it's probably my phone that I forgot to silence, so it's all good. And so how we see the pattern of the New Testament missions teams operating is a way I would assert you should be operating in your life. But also I want to tell you as you've sent us out and as you pray for us and as you support us, how we see this informing the way we do our work. So better put... I'm going to tell you how you're getting your bang for your buck. When you give to Lottie Moon and Cooperative Program, 100% of all that goes to support missions on the un- in unreached places. What are you getting when you get that? What are we actually doing? I'm going to tell you what we do. This is amazing. And I'm not going to tell you because it's something I made up. 
It's something right here in front of us. So flip over like one or two pages to Acts chapter 14. So again, I told you, we're going to skip like all this crazy travel and like Paul getting stoned. I mean, it's incredible. I'm telling you, you got to read it, man. It's awesome. This rich guy wants to come to faith and there's a sorcerer. It's, it's, it's awesome. But jump over to Acts 14 and we're going to do 22 through 28. Every time I read this, I'm amazed at the faith of these guys, at the faith of these missions teams. I want to so be like them. So let me just read verse 21 through 22 to start. This is Acts chapter 14, 21 through 22. This is the end of a two-year, about a year and a half journey that they made uh, in what we now know today, what we call like Turkey and in these areas, like they went from Syria and they landed in Cyprus, the island right there in the Mediterranean. And then they went over to like modern day Turkey in that area. All right. So this is what happens. Verse 21 and 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they went back through some places they'd previously gone. So again, this is why it's homework tonight. You got to go read 13 and 14 and see what I'm talking about. Verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So this couple of verses sort of real quickly uh, shows us Paul's pattern for how they did ministry in these new unreached places. All right, so check this out. The first thing they did, and by the way, they did this in the city Paul was stoned in, so we obviously pray and we hope that we would have the faith to endure these persecutions like Paul and his team did. But needless to say, look at what he says in verse 21. When they preached the gospel to that city. So the first thing we do when we see a pattern of mission that we want to implement, that we want to follow, the first thing we do is obviously we go and we preach the gospel. So we're going to go to unreached places. So if you're keeping score at home, the first thing we do to get to no place left, 3A, is Go to unreached places, all right? So we're going to go to unreached places. Paul and Barnabas went to what we, what's in the Bible is like the area of Galatia, right? And I'll go ahead and give you a spoiler alert. When you read the book of Galatians, you're reading Paul's letter to the churches that he planted in the first missionary journey in Acts 13, 14. Hey, isn't that cool? They connect, right? So if you want to see what Paul's talking about in Galatians, go to Acts 13 and 14 and look at the places he's writing that letter to. It all connects, guys. It's awesome. So go to unreached places. Where we live in our city, there are less than 100 churches. It's a city of 20 million people, and there's less than 100 churches. There's over 6,000 mosques where we live. In the city of 20 million, there's 6,000 mosques or more. There's only less than 100 churches. That's an unreached place. That's why we're there, because we want to see it be that those mosques one day become churches. There's places in America where I can drive, and I was just there not, not too long ago, where literally in one intersection there were three churches on four of the corners. Now that's great. The gospel's penetrated in America. But where we live, it's the opposite. We can stand on the corner and there's three mosques on, every, on three of the four corners, and there's not a church for who knows how far. So we go to unreached places, all right? That's where Paul and Barnabas went. And so what did they do when they got there? Your second fill in here. They tell the gospel. So the first thing they're going to go 
to unreached places. The second thing, look at this, verse 22, when they had preached the gospel to that city. So we don't go to these unreached places to build hospitals. We don't go to these places to build orphanages. Those are great things. We go because we have a message of hope that saves their soul eternally. The gospel of Christ is what we preach, and that's what we tell. And everything we do. Hey, your bang for your buck is this. When we meet with our teams, the first thing we talk about is who have you shared the gospel with, and how can we get it to more people? We're investing money in ways to get the gospel to everyone we know. That's what we're doing. So that's the pattern. We tell the gospel. And then look at what it says. Same, same thing in verse 21. And had made many disciples. Hey, that's Matthew 28, right? Go to all the world, making disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's the great commission. We're going to make disciples. So we're going to go to unreached places, tell the gospel. We're going to make disciples. Or what we just say, we're going to grow in the faith. There's no good word for disciple or discipleship in our language, so we just say grow in your faith. It's very obvious that the Lord has shown us those examples in Scripture of the idea of a life that is growing. So we see here the pattern. They returned to these areas, and then they strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. What is discipleship? Look at this. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the, enter the kingdom of God. Hey, I'm going to get grumpy for one second. Do you see the killer of the prosperity gospel right here? They taught them that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This isn't an easy life. Hey, in your microgroups, in your discipleship, Are you talking about the difficulties in your life? Are you saying, man, things are hard right now because this isn't our home? That's discipleship. All right, I'm done being grumpy. Man, don't buy into that junk, though, please. All right. So we're going to go to unreached places. We're going to tell the gospel. We're going to unashamedly be bold witnesses for the kingdom. And then third, we're going we're gonna to make disciples. How does make, do you make disciples? You grow together in the faith. Your faith grows through how? Through the word. There's a blueprint right here. Strengthening the souls. Encouraging them to continue in the faith. And teaching about tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. So that's part of the blueprint. But look at what happens next. Actually, let me show you a picture to get, get back on track here with the slides. So this is a picture of what it looks like in our context. So on the left... This is what we think may be the first believer ever in a people group of about 125,000 people. The very first believer getting dunked. Isn't that amazing? 125,000 people, this may be the first believer. In a Muslim people group of 125,000 people, that's what this looks like. And guess what? That's not, I'll get to that in a minute. And then on the right, this is a group of ladies. Hey, ladies, man, can I just say? There's nowhere in Scripture where men are dominating this scene of church planting and the gospel getting to unreached areas. Every step of the way, women are involved in this. Ladies, don't sell yourself short. God has an awesome plan for you to do this same task. And this is what's happening right here as a woman leads a small group of women in a Bible study in their home. This is what it looks like to go to unreached places, to tell the gospel, and to grow together in faith. 
Isn't that cool? Hey, do you see any white faces in any of that? Do you see any white missionaries there? Do you see any Westerners in those pictures? This is my soapbox we're going to get to in a second. All right. But they don't stop there, okay? So Paul and Barnabas aren't content to just have a Bible study. They're not just content to have some people get baptized. Why? Because that's not the pattern we see in the life of the Lord. That's not what he said to do. So let's keep going. Let's look at verse 23. So they're going to go to these places. They're going to preach the gospel, make disciples. And then look what happens. Verse 23. When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting... Does that sound familiar? With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So now we get the picture of what's happening. You go to unreached places. You tell the gospel. Disciples begin to grow. And you know what healthy disciples do? What you're doing right now, they gather together in church. Again, the way we're going to reach the unreached world is through the church. And so healthy disciples, that's your next fill-in, they gather in churches. So we gather together. Why? To proclaim what God's done. To gather and celebrate what God's done. We're celebrating this morning what he's done when? Through your lives during the week as you're out in this dark world. Proclaiming the gospel. Making disciples. We're here to celebrate. So we gather together. And that's what they did. Look at this. And then what did they do? They didn't just gather in churches. Rudderless, leaderless places. They appointed elders. Shepherds. Pastors. In every church. So the next one is raise up leaders. So God's going to raise up leaders in these unreached places. As disciples begin to gather, God is going to uniquely gift people in gifts of leadership to lead these churches. And he's given us one of the most wonderful pastors in the whole world to lead this one. So God's going to raise up leaders, and we're going to affirm what he's doing by raising up leaders. Why? Because look at what they did. The next one, with prayer and fasting, so this is still verse 23, With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So what had been modeled for them in the first few verses of Acts 13, when they were sent out, was to be prayed over and be sent. Now the opposite's happening. They're praying over these leaders in these churches, and they're exiting. They're leaving. They're leaving it up to the local believers. Now this is an important point. So the last one there, 4C, would be exit to partnership. So Paul and Barnabas go there and they see amazing things happen. They raise up disciples. God begins to gather disciples in churches. And then God raises up local leaders, not Paul and Barnabas, to lead those churches. And what do they do? They get out of there because why? They got to go back to their home church. They got to go get rest. They got to go get medical care in a different place. Whatever the case, they leave. And here's the cool thing. Remember I told you, hey, there's no like sent out foreign missionaries in these in these pictures check this next picture out this is a church on the left that's meeting together that was planted by another guy who's not in this picture because he turned it over to a local guy in the white shirt on the left who's leading it and he's gone or better yet, what does it look like for us who you're sending out is, with your gifts to Lottie Moon and Cooperative Program and you send us to go? How do we do this? We start churches like on the right. But what do we do? As quickly as we can, as faithful as we can, we see God raise up local leaders. And what you're seeing in the picture on the right is the church that we started and we worshiped with and two of my kids were baptized in. 
But it's not being led by foreign missionaries anymore because we prayed over and appointed a local leader right there being prayed over who's now leading that church and we are no longer needed. Now why is that good? Because that's exactly what they did here in Galatia. Is they laid their hands on these men and they exited to partnership. Now how do I know there was partnership? I told you, the book of Galatians. How do I know there's partnership? Because when they planted the church in Corinth, we have 1 and 2 Corinthians. When they went to Thessalonica and Jason and those guys planted the church in Thessalonica, we got 1 and 2 Thessalonians. We know Paul left those places in, in the tent to partner. And that's what we do. So we exit to partnership. Hey, this is the blueprint. Let me go over it again. Let me just read all of this together. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord and whom they had believed. This is the missionary method we see Paul and his teams employ to get to the unreached. As they go and they go to unreached places, they tell the gospel. People grow in their faith as disciples. They begin to gather in churches. God raises up leaders in those churches. And then they exit only to leave the leadership of that church responsible for that area. Hey, do you know the people that we serve, the people that we get to do life with, they speak the language a whole lot better than us. They get the culture a lot better than us. When they share the gospel with a Muslim, they do a lot better job because why? Because they used to be Muslim and they understand that system of slavery. They understand so much better the work, which is why Paul and Barnabas left it to those people in Galatia. So that's what we do. I love it. Now, there's one final step that happens with Paul and Barnabas in this amazing journey. Check this out. They go tell, grow, gather, raise up sin. Okay, verse 27. So they go back through more, some more places and they do the same thing. And then in verse 27 and 28, they finish up the journey and here's what happens. They arrive back in Antioch. So there's two Antiochs in the story, right? There's the Antioch that they were sent from. Then they go to a different Antioch. Now they're coming back in verse 27 to the original Antioch church. They're coming back. And it says, when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They give a missionary talk. They come up and they preach in their home church of Antioch about all God's done. And they remained no little time with the disciples. This is the final step of how we get to no place left. We get to no place left by churches sending. We get to no place left by this wonderful missionary blueprint we see and finally, full circle, we get to, to no place left by the church sending, but then go to that last slide. There's three more things the church is doing in that sending. They're celebrating, supporting, and multiplying. When they came back to Antioch, much the same as we're back with you guys. And man, we have enjoyed it so much. We love you guys. We know you love us, and we have been so honored to come back and share stories of how God's opening a door of faith. And let me just add, we're not back in our place, and guess what I wake up to every morning? Pictures and stories of people coming to faith and getting baptized and churches being planted, and guess what? I'm not there. And that's the best news I could hear. So we're back declaring all God had done, and you, Fletcher, 
our Antioch are celebrating and supporting and multiplying. How is God multiplying? Because he's multiplying the believers here. He's multiplying ministers of the gospel through ministries like Matt and Trey and others have. So this is the final step. You're not just sending to unreached places. Now we see Paul and his team being celebrated and supported and the work being shepherded to multiply. So this is the final step in the process of this wonderful church in Antioch that was sending out missionaries to now welcome them back and to hear all that God's doing and to be motivated and celebrating and supporting and multiplying. So this is the work. And when you give, when you pray, this is what we want you praying for, that God would raise up local leaders, that God would plant new churches among unreached groups, that the gospel would go out in a powerful way. So this is how we want you to pray, uh, want you to pray, want you to give. Now, Fletcher, let me just say this, and I don't get the opportunity to say this to many churches that I'm in. Fletcher, you serve as a wonderful example of this. How do I know that? If we could cut the stream for just a second. Just kidding. Of all of the dozens of churches in this area, Fletcher is sending out more than any other church. Fletcher, you are sending. Fletcher, you are doing this, and I'm so excited about it. And that's leadership from Chris and Micah and their team, and that's leadership from you. So, man, I'm so excited. Let's pray. Father, as the chorus of praise rings out across this world from people and every nation, tribe, people, and language, Lord, we just want to honor you this morning by saying we want to be sent and we want to send. Lord, the only way to get to these unreached places is through your body, your very own body, the church. And Lord, we're honored that we would be called upon. Lord, that we would be looked upon to be participants in this great mission. Lord, because you love us, you've given us the privilege of seeing this happen. Lord, because you love us, you've given us the privilege of seeing men and women from all different backgrounds and all different faiths come to the cross and cry out together, worthy is the Lamb. So, Father, thank you for this picture today. Lord, I thank you that you've given us such a wonderful example of how we might go to the unreached, how Fletcher, right here in the pages of your word, is doing that very thing, and, Lord, how we might do it more. So, Father, thank you for this. Thank you for this word. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. So I want to give you two practical steps uh, to how this no place left idea could happen more fully at Fletcher. And just challenge you with a couple of ideas. The first is this, a strategy for the unreached. I think it'll be on the slides behind you. A strategy for the unreached. How are you? Hey, students, man, check this out. You know there's 25,000 person mission field right down the road here? Do you know there's hundreds of people on that campus who don't know Jesus? Who aren't going to get to hear Jesus from Pastor Chris? Who aren't going to get to hear Jesus from me? They're going get to hear him, get to hear about him from you. They're in your classes. They're on your teams. Fletcher, 
In this community, those people that work at your places, we can't get to them. You can. So what's your strategy for reaching them? Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm pleased to say Chris and Mike are cooking up some really awesome ways. Participate in that. Be involved in that. And second, Fletcher, are you sending? You are. Wesley and Morgan are prime examples of that. We're prime examples of that. But are we ready to do more? And finally, are you going? The biggest challenge I want to issue to you today is 12 years ago, I was sitting right there where Jake and Mariah are sitting, and Chrissy and I said, Lord, that's it. We know what you want us to do. We're ready to be obedient. Send us. And we went. Some of you this morning are ready to go, and now's the time to say, I'm ready to be obedient. God might be sending you, and guess what? This church is ready to sue in your life today. Maybe, maybe you're like, man, this whole Jesus thing, I'm not, even, I'm not even sure about him. Great, let's talk about that. Why should you be sent? Because he loves you and he died for you. But first, why don't you come to him? Whatever it is God's doing, man, I'm going to be down here in front. Hey, I'll write a job for you tomorrow to go overseas, and we'll make it happen. We'll sit together. We'll talk together. Young people, man, graduates, hey, I don't know what you're doing. We got plans for you. Two years of your life, get it up for the kingdom. We'll send you. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, man, I don't know if you can tell how excited I am, what God's doing, but I know he's doing something cool today. And it's not about us. It's about him and making his name great. So whatever God's leading you to do, I'll be down here. If you just want to come and pray, Lord, what are you doing in my heart? Families, how can you be more missional? Maybe you need to go out to lunch with someone today that you need to share the gospel with. Whatever it is, take that first step of obedience. Trey, lead us, brother.
Gang, thank you this morning for honoring our family and loving us so much. We are some of your sent ones, and we are so grateful that you are sending church. I'm going to close with this benediction. Chris already mentioned it today. Graduates, this is not just a prayer for you. This is a prayer for our whole church. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Fletcher Baptist Church, you are sent. Go.